College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action, so here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 years or older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. All right, guys, welcome into the Kansas City Sports Network post-game show. We are posted up at the Kingdom Bar, which is the place to be all season long. The Chiefs, of course, wrapping up the final dress rehearsal preseason. Game number three with a nice little bow, right? A win for the Kansas City Chiefs over the Browns, 33-32. to Much thanks to Harrison Bucker in the end with that 44-yarder. Now, we got lots to talk about, of course. Thanks to the Kingdom Bar letting us be here in good old Ben Holiday keeping us juiced up as we like to get through this post-game show. We got to talk about the battle for quarterback two, right? Who's going to be QB2 backing up Patrick Mahomes? What about that seventh, potential seventh wide receiver? Also the defensive line, offensive line, running back room. There's lots to get to on this game or on this post-game show. So let's get right into it coming up here on the Kansas City Sports Network post-game show. All Deshaun Watson-led teams know how to do is blow big leads against the Kansas City Chiefs. Comeback fashion for the Chiefs. 33-32. Lots to cover in this game. What's up, everybody? Kit Swanson, Craig Stout, Maddie Lane. Very excited to be here with you hanging out on the KCSN postgame show. Plenty to discuss today. We've got all kinds of discussion to have. Uh, about QB2. Later on, we've got uh, plenty of, of roster crunch decisions that are, are going to be coming here uh, in the next couple days. A couple big storylines off the top, though, that we want to talk about uh, because there was some some fun things to see from players that are lock solid on this team. Let's start with the defensive end group. Uh, it was a it was a good group, and uh, it was seeing Felix and DK Uzama, Charles Amenu, getting to get a look at those two guys uh, specifically. I thought they played outstanding, Maddie. Yeah, I thought this was probably the first game this preseason where if you were watching this Chiefs defensive line, especially their pass rushers, where you felt okay about them. Obviously, Chris Jones still wasn't there, so you know that extra boost is still yet to come, but you really got to see the rest of this defensive line, especially these some of these younger defensive ends, really put their stamp on this game. It happened early. It happened often. Thankfully, the Cleveland Browns went ahead and played their first team offense for like a quarter. So you got to see Charles O'Minahue. You got to see Felix go out there and rush those guys. And those two dudes specifically, I thought really you could see what they have to offer. I mean, I think we should start with Charles O'Minahue, whether it was a defensive end or kicking in on the interior, which the interior happened a little bit more with against the second team Cleveland Browns offensive line. But there was still some reps versus the first team. He was dominant. 
that second unit for the Browns offense really couldn't run a functioning offense because Omenihu was just bullying their backup interior players, and it wasn't like he wasn't doing well to start the game. So I thought this was his best preseason game kind of by far, and that's what you want to see if you're a Chiefs fan. I mean, unfortunately, you're going on like a two-month hiatus now before you get to see it again with the suspension, <laughs> but it's still nice to see. Yeah, and it was really nice to see Felix kind of putting it together. I, we we watched him grow throughout the preseason. We watched him kind of develop a little bit more. This was by far his most complete game. I can single out maybe once or twice where he lost contain on the outside, but had a great rep where he read out a read option really well. But it was his work against the Browns' first team offensive line, which is a top five offensive line in the league. Like let's let's not sugarcoat. This is an excellent offensive line. He gave Jedrick Wills everything that he had. Like, there were a few reps that he really looked excellent coming off the edge there to the point where the Browns, even with their twos there, were having to constantly chip him and double him. He And he kept coming, and that's the best part about that. He really put in the work today. I was really impressed by both of those guys. I, I You know, that's you want to end the preseason on a high note? Both of those guys did, and it was really good to see Felix kind of grow throughout the preseason and peak right here in this game with a really terrific performance. When you, you saw Nate Taylor talking or writing this article uh, yesterday, I believe, about the Chiefs needing Felix and DK Izama to step up and, and probably play in a bigger capacity with some of the losses with the Amenahues. Who knows what's going on with the Chris Jones situation? Uh, but getting continual reps, I mean, Felix got a lot of work today, you know, and you saw him. I think he's playing hard, playing fast. Um, you know, I, I think playing with a free mind so at some times here, I saw him that closing on Deshaun Watson uh, on that boot, I think was really was really good to see just how quickly he was reacting and how he's working through that. With the Menahue, I really liked, you know, you you get why Steve Spagnuolo likes Charles Menahue, like what he does, because you saw how how good he was, even as a as a base end type player, how good he was at collapsing the pocket. You know, that density playing through a tackle, um, that was really nice to see. And and this was the best that we've got. And it's a big sample size, obviously, because they're trying to get a minute he worked because he's not going to have work for a while. Um, but it was just it was a really fun sample size to see. It was really good to see him um, kind of working, just working through a tackle. And, and, and I mean, you know, we saw him on a couple stunts. And I mean, we saw a lot of we saw a lot of Charles Amenahue in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Were there any other defensive ends that stood? Oh, go, go, Maddie. No, I was saying, just I thought Omenihu's oddly played deeper into a lot of these games than a lot of the other you know starters would be, and I, I've always thought it was a little odd. Like I get the idea of seeing work, but you would think that they would be trying to get the defensive linemen that are actually going to play the reps in the first six games the work going into the season. So I've already found it a little odd, but then just to see him play as deep as he did was interesting. But I guess when you start to split it out, it was the later the game went, the more he pretty much just played on the interior, kind of as a. Yeah pass rush specialist as an interior rusher, which I, he needs to work there too. So yeah, you got to see him do a lot of different stuff, but the stunt and twist game with him and I mean, with Felix, like those two guys working together was evident. Mm -hmm. They're trying to work on I think George Karloff. This has been pretty good on stunts last year as well. So like they clearly are working on some, Mike Dana. That's like a Mike Dana special. Mike Dana on the spike of a stunt is, is undefeated, especially against the Chargers. It's like, you see how he's going to fit in once he comes back. So yeah, you do like getting that kind of, uh, that sample size of him going in there. 
there might be, is there any other defensive ends you want to talk about, Craig? Because I thought there was a guy that was playing late in the game that you saw a defensive end that was uh, catching your attention there. Yeah, absolutely. Good old Daniel Wise kicking out there with his uh, huge, you know, he, he was a guy that's been starting for the Chiefs and Chris Jones's absence as a three technique. He's kicking out late in the game, getting some tape out there of, of a defensive end. I really liked his handwork. Obviously, he's not going to be the burstiest, bendiest guy off of the edge there. That's not his build. But Steve Spagnola obviously went, hey, listen, man, let's get you some tape of the defensive end. Let's get some looks out there. Let's try and find some of that. I really enjoyed getting to see him out there. I didn't think he looked bad. And again, it's against the threes for the Browns there. But that's the sort of fun stuff that we get to see in the preseason. Really appreciated getting to see him out there. Let's move on to the offensive side of the football. We just got done talking about the defensive ends. Another position stood out, and some guys at the bottom of the roster, fighting for the bottom of the roster, uh, showed up today at the receiver spot. We'll start with Justin Ross. Justin Ross continuing to show you know, why he was uh, so attractive coming out of college despite the injuries, why he graded out well for us in the KCSN draft guide. And, I mean, this dude just continues to, to step up and make plays. I thought even some of the routes that he ran outside of getting the football were great, but cementing his spot for me, Justin Ross Sharpie on the fade route from Shane Buchel for a touchdown. That was great to see, Maddie. Yeah, that's that's what you want to see about Justin Ross, right? This is what his role for this offense is going to be. When the Chiefs get into the red zone and they need to have somebody go up and, and get the football, Justin Ross is that guy. They've been a little hesitant to use Travis Kelsey and these kind of contested catch situations in the red zone. They focus more on manufacturing some reps and stuff like that. Well, now they got a guy like Ross who can go up and do it. We've seen them design the opportunities for guys like Jody Fortson in the past to go up and make these kinds of plays. Now it's just Justin Ross. I think we talk a little bit about what's going to happen with the tight end room and stuff without Jody Fortson. And like, that's still a little bit of a question, but I think the biggest thing that the Chiefs lost with Fortson's injury was this kind of red zone target. Well, you might not have to look any further than Ross. That might be what his entire role is. This at all season is just down here in the red zone, taking these 50-50 opportunities, using his size, using his ball skills. Because when you look throughout the rest of the game, you know, the usage is still kind of the same role it's been. Outside wide receiver, vertical route tree, not much else. But in the red zone, in that condensed space, that's what plays. And they've been missing that guy for a while. They've tried to make tight ends be that guy. They've tried to bring in guys like Kelvin Benjamin to be that guy. It hasn't worked. Ross might finally be the true answer to that. And they have this very clear and defined role for him, which is what I think he needs to really hit the ground running in the NFL. And not just that. It's the fact that they're willing to throw that back shoulder fade. I, Kent and I were talking just before you know the podcast here. It's been in the playbook. They've been reticent to use it. We're seeing it a lot more. Now that they've got more guys that are on this roster that are contested catch guys, it just makes sense. One more guy that I want to talk about before I throw it back to you, Kit. Amir Smith-Marset made an NFL roster today. Yeah, he did. It may not be the Chiefs. We'll see how that all shakes out. We'll see how the 53-man will have plenty of time this week to talk about it on the lab, all of our other podcasts. But Amir Smith-Marset is going to make somebody's 53-man roster. He has looked really good as a wide receiver this entire preseason and, you know, saved the best for last. This was a terrific game for him. He was running wide open because he was putting DBs on skates. And Blaine Gabbert was able to find him. That connection was very strong there in the in the second quarter, in the third quarter. It was really good to see a guy like ISM that had so much hype coming out of college, was a guy that was a media darling, 
finally put it all together in an offense. I just he he's a lock for somebody's roster. It just remains to be seen if it's going to be the Chiefs. Yeah, and I, it's going to be tough. Like I think it's going to be and good on good on him for making the decision tough too. Like I think that's a credit to Amir Smith Marset. Like we've been talking about the Chiefs trying to squeeze, uh, you know, trying to squeeze four or seven receivers onto the roster, and here we have eight. And if you want to be honest, nine. When you uh, throw in, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy that got the IR, the guy that put got Nico, put on Nico Remigio. 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 Like, I know I was blanking for a second, but like, right, he had nine receivers show up in a big way so far in the preseason. And Amir Smith Marset, I'm looking at his numbers four for 101 uh, today, four for 92 in week two of the preseason. This man has put together some great performances. Uh, in a, in a limited sample size, somebody's gonna be intrigued by Amir Smith Marset. I said it here. I'm not sure that that Chiefs can't get some kind of draft compensation for someone wanting to jump the waiver wire for this guy. Uh, I wouldn't be stunned. Like the, he's just he's had an outstanding an outstanding camp, and I mean the Chiefs were intrigued in him for a reason. Like he's been around. He was here last year. They they've been interested in the, his skill set and rightfully so because he is a talented guy. So good on him. Good on Justin Ross. Uh, and there's plenty of other discourse that we're going to probably have about the wide receiver position here in a little bit. But it's Tucker Franklin and Haley Lewis's turn to talk a little about the quarterback two position. Look, I know we've spent plenty of time talking <laughs> about it. Let's hear it from somebody else. Tucker, Haley, what do you have on QB2? Ooh, Kent, boys at home, thank you so much for giving us that wonderful intro. We will... We will take it away talking about yes, QB will. number two. I got the Mizzou made Tucker. Hey, Tucker with me. Isn't that nice? Isn't that very nice? Uh, Blaine Gabber and Shane Bouchelle. That was a storyline after, of course, preseason game two. Everyone talking about who's going to be the quarterback who backs up Patrick Mahomes right. if and when. Actually, let me just say if he ever gets injured again. <laughs> Don't even want to put that into the air, right? So who would be the guy coming off the bench first if Mahomes goes down? Everyone after last week against the Cardinals was singing Buscelli's uh, praises all day. <laughs> we see him go in today. It wasn't the prettiest of performances. It is preseason. Let's not overreact. But then you see Gabbert come out, and what we talked about before off camera was his consistency. Right. He's a veteran. He was consistent. He was consistent first week, last week, and now this week. Mm -hmm. What do you see when you look at the quarterback battle? Who's going to be QB number two? I think it's Blaine Gabbert's job to lose, and I always think it was Blaine Gabbert's job to lose. Right. Right? He's the veteran in the Not in the tiger room. in you saying that? Well, maybe. Well, <laughs> right. uh, but he's the veteran in that room. I know he has a little less time at the playbook than what uh, Shane Bouchelle has, and that's right. some people's concern when it comes to that is is the, uh, the, the knowledge of the playbook. But as you saw in this game, Blaine Gabbert came in and looked real good. Like, right. he looked good. He looked good with the offense. Shane Bouchelle came in through two interceptions, uh, eight for 17, 89 yards, a touchdown, two picks. That both of the picks were not great-looking interceptions either. Sure. Um, so I don't know if I'm at the point where if I would feel comfortable if Patrick Mahomes goes down that Shane Bouchelle would be that guy. Right. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I think I feel more comfortable with Blaine Gabbard. That's kind of how I'm judging that competition. Yeah, I think everyone feels that way probably necessarily after today. Yeah. You go and look at Shane Bouchelle versus the Cardinals. He was 10 for 10, 105 yards. He had a 15-yard rushing touchdown, so his passer rating was 110.4. Let's mm -hmm. go to today. He is 8 of 17, 89 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Now, one was not his fault. The other one, one was on right. Cornell Powell, yeah. of course, on his uh, receiver. And then he has a 43.1 passer rating. It's not pretty. 
again, it's not time to over-exaggerate but or, or, or just, you know, overreact to what's going on. He's obviously year three with this offense. It's the first time probably since college that he's ever been with the same offense for three years, so he's probably way more comfortable in it. But then you have a guy like Gabbert who comes in. He's a veteran. This is his sixth team in the NFL. This is a guy who has the ability to when your receivers are making terrible catches or lack thereof catches, he right. can stay calm, cool, and collected and be the person who is uh, the mature quarterback who lets those mistakes by other players that even affect his you know, stats that everyone's looking up on ESPN. His stats are going to be affected by the mistakes of others. If he is able to stay that veteran type of leader um, and, and keep the team going, then I think that QB number two is going to be his position. And I think we saw that a lot on the field today. He stayed calm. Absolutely. There's a reason they brought him in, right? I mean, they, yeah, they brought, Andy likes him. brought him in. Uh, the, <laughs> I don't think if they if they would have felt comfortable with Bouchelle at number two, they wouldn't have brought in a guy, another guy like that. Agreed. Um, is is kind of my thought process there. You know, I'm not in that locker room every every day, but uh, I think that that's kind of kind of what a, what I the vibe I get. Uh, but let's not. I mean, Chris Lodekin, seven or nine, sixty six yards and a touchdown. There's another in. quarterback. He came in. He played well. He I don't. Did. Think, he he's, did. he's probably not going to make the roster. More than likely, not going to. But another quarterback that Andy Reid seems to develop that another team is probably going to grab and it'll be a it'll be a backup quarterback somewhere by the time roster turns come around on Tuesday. That's what we were talking about earlier was the fact that it's like when a when a girl breaks up with a guy, it's it's like he's a really sweet guy. He's gonna be he's gonna make some other girl really, really happy. And and he is going to make some he other will. team really happy. He will. And I think that that's gonna uh be a lot of these players that we'll talk about as you know, the week goes on here at KC Sports Network is uh They've done a really good job building this roster. They've done a really good job putting bringing guys in that are positions where they needed some depth. Mm-hmm. And I think that they've they've done a really good job uh, of, of showing that off, showcasing it. The guys in the in the studio were just talking about uh, Amir Smith Marset, another guy that is doing a really right. good job yep. of, of making a roster, as Ken had said. But the quarterback two battle is something that people have been keeping their eye on. I don't I want to say it's settled. Do you think it's settled, Haley? I guess I'll ask I mean, you. I think it's settled after today. I, I always thought that they were going to keep three like they have before. Yeah. And and then uh, the fact that now it is going to be, well, in my eyes, going to be Blaine and then going to Shane. I think that makes sense. I think that's pretty settled. I think it's yeah. solidified uh, via Twitter or what are we calling it? X now? X, so via think, X yeah. now, as well as with Chiefs Kingdom and everyone else. I think it's solidified. I think it, uh, especially today is what really brought that out. And the fact that Things were able to still get done on the field when mistakes were being made. And that's what's going to happen in the preseason. But it's also the person who can bounce back. Now, we did see Bouchel bounce back and have, you know, quite, quite. He, it's not like everything was terrible. I don't want to sit here and act like he, oh, no. he wasn't able to go out there and perform and get things done. It's just that if you're looking for the stereotypical Andy Reid veteran quarterback to win out, Blaine did everything that he needed to do today in order to get that done. Right. And I agree with that. I think that this conversation... Uh, might have got fueled a little bit too much by an Andy Reid comment. Yeah, uh, and I think that maybe that was one of those comments that Andy was like, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have put that one out there because I think people ran with it a little bit too much. But uh, yeah, I think that you mentioned the consistency with Blaine Gabbard. His veteran kind of poise and presence right. can definitely tell uh, when he takes the field that that's what you're getting with Blaine Gabbard. And I think that that's what's so in, so enticing for uh the Chiefs have Blaine Gabbard as that number two quarterback. So. What did he end up with? He had 169 yards, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns and a pick, but 10 of 18 yeah. throughout the year. And I know we mentioned is we mentioned a little bit the the drops. Um, right. And some of those drops, I think Blaine Gabbard would have had a pretty deep touchdown. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl, girl, rookie. Yeah, rookie drop there. 
pulled that one in. But those are frustrating. Um, but you know, yeah. it shows a part of it. Yeah, it is, it and is it's a part, part of a preseason game, and it's a part of what's going to go into those cuts coming up on Tuesday. This being the year that the NFL decides to vote and bring it to just one one day where all those cuts are being made. So you see, you know, what was it, thirty one guys putting on a Chiefs jersey for the first time at Arrowhead today, and now they're going to cut over forty uh, coming up on Tuesday. It's definitely heartbreaking to see it, but it's also, you know, it's a part of the game. It's a it's the NFL and it's a business and. A lot of those guys are going to land on other NFL rosters and probably have a lot of Chiefs Kingdom, maybe cheering them along or just silently being happy for them, yes. you know, continuing yes. to do well. I think that I think you said it perfectly. And I think that uh, there's a lot we could take away from this preseason game. I know BJ Kissel talks about it a lot. Like this is the time where uh, the, those guys are living out their dream. Right. And you're going to get to see some of these guys who play well go on to other teams. And I know. Uh, and it's really cool to get to see these guys in the third preseason game, especially with the third cutdown or the only the one cutdown day. I think it makes it a little bit more, yeah, uh, a little intriguing for that third preseason game, that final preseason game. You get to see so many more guys than you would in in, in the past. So yeah, it, it makes sense. The rosters are bigger for longer, but it makes sense to only have one day because you're going to see a lot more guys on that third preseason game. You're going to get a lot more looks from the guys that you'd want to see through three preseason. Well, and I'm sure it also helps the coaching staff Absolutely. to be able to see multiple games where players who might not have had their best outing the first time they laced up and went onto an NFL field and had the yeah. crowd. And that's a lot of nerves. And when we see a lot of these rookies, and I know we alluded to the uh, Rushy Rice drop, yeah. these things happen, you know? It's not the be-all, end-all. And I know on Twitter, and I'm a part of it too, I'm sitting here being like, well, this isn't fun. Well, it's like, okay, well, the Chiefs' third string is losing out to the Browns' first string, okay? Right. It eventually evens out and things get done. This is what the preseason is for. Uh, but, you know, it, it's. I think it's really more about the coaches getting a second and even third look at some of these players mm -hmm. who maybe had a terrible first game out, and by the third game, right. we like even P. Ryan, like, a phenomenal game out of him. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, dare I say it again, again, had another phenomenal performance today. So it's it's good to see these guys get multiple chances with the cuts being all on one day. I think so too. And it's one of those situations uh, where I think they did kind of need the three preseason games to going back to the quarterback new situation. Sure. They probably did need three preseason games to see what they had. Blaine Gabbard, as I mentioned, eventually. Because what if they would have made the cut? Yeah, after exactly. after the Cardinals game. Absolutely. Exactly. I agree. So, there's a lot of variables that go on, so I think that this benefits the teams, it benefits the players, everything going on. I think that'll do a, that. That'll be great for the league here in years to come. I I agree. So let's send it back to to Kit in the studio and our good old boys at home to to bring us some more insight to what they saw out of this preseason game number three. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Chiefs win 33-32 to 32 in comeback fashion. A lot of fun. Uh, plenty to discuss still about this game. Last time we're going to see this team before they drop a banner in front of the Detroit Lions. Uh, I don't know if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson still will be there, but I hope he is. I'm hoping he's there to witness that. A lot of discuss about the roster and some player performances, and I know we're going to get to some of the players that are on the fringe of the roster, but a, a lock is Rashi Rice. And I tell you what, I've had so much fun watching the highlights of Rashi Rice this postseason or this preseason. But there is a there's kind of an alarming trend happening here with the first three games. Drops have been a big issue, and they were exacerbated today with some some struggles, some struggles catching the football. Back to back drops early in, in, in his first two targets. Had a few plays afterwards, and again, man, it's so fun to watch him with the ball in his hands making plays. But it is frustrating to see some of those early drops, and, and he had that issue again, Maddie. And the most unfortunate part of it is the drop seemed to come in a variety of different ways. It's not always, it's kind of a joke with MVS. If his fingers are pointing up, he's going to make the catch. If his fingers are pointing towards the ground, he's going to drop the ball. But it's very specific. He drops a certain type of pass or a certain location. Rasheed Rice seems to be having some drops on various different things. There's been some concentration drops where he starts to look up field too early. There's been, I I don't even know what happened on the out route on the first third down. He just like forgot to squeeze the ball. And then there was one that he, the deep ball, he looked like he struggled to track and then it just split right between his hands. You can even go back to other games. So the concerning part is there doesn't seem to be one specific thing leading to his drops. And if you track this back to SMU, it's not like he always had, he has really good ball skills at times, but he wasn't always consistent. This isn't something that just showed up now in the NFL. This also happened on tape at SMU too. However, you also see other plays like the RPO slant where he snags a rocket of a pass right out of the air. It doesn't move in his hands and it sticks right away. Or the screen pass where he's having to move around Lucas Niang and make a catch on a ball that's coming, you know, not exactly on target. So it's just the inconsistency. I don't think it's something to panic about, but it's something to monitor because like I said, He's kind of dropping balls that are coming at him in all these different ways right now, and that is something he is going to have to clean up to become reliable on the field. I will say, sorry, Craig, for talking so much here, Craig, but the uh, big thing that they have for for Andy Reid, that doesn't stop Andy Reid from going throwing the ball to you. We've seen this Chiefs offense have guys that struggle this exact same way, and they continue to get opportunities, so hopefully Rasheed Rice still gets those as well. Yeah, no, that's... He will. He will. Uh, I, I did. Maddie, I think you even pointed it out on you know, on Twitter, as you certainly did in our KCSN Discord. 
But, you know, after that big drop there, Rasheed Rice had a couple of plays where he actually ran an excellent route. He he kind of torched the DB a little bit and didn't get a target. It would have been a fine time to get him the ball to try and force feed him the ball. Andy Reid is great at that, at building the confidence of his young players. But, yeah, you look at Rasheed Rice today, and he should have had 90 yards and a touchdown, like, uh, on the day. It, it should have been there drops a 62-yard touchdown. He's certainly going to be killing himself. He certainly was on the sideline. And that's the type of thing that I feel like Andy Reid is really good at, you know, kind of rebounding, getting him back in there, getting that confidence back up. And I think once it became clear that he wasn't going to get those targets within the flow, within the structure of the offense as it stood, they found a way to get him a pass. That little screen pass that was out there that he did a great job pulling that one in out of nowhere and was able to make something out of it, some yards after the catch there. I'm not worried about Rasheed Rice, you know, in a big way. Get that man on the jugs machine, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. The talent is still tantalizing. The production is still capable and there for the taking. It's just one of those things that it has shown up a little bit so far this well, he's just like he's different with the ball in his hands, and that's somebody in the way he plays. And you even saw it today. It's like you just want him to, you want him on the field, and you want him to earn the trust quickly of Patrick Mahomes and, and the confidence because, like, what he presents and provides to this team is, it's different than anything that they have, especially in the wide receiver room. There is some dynamic ability that he's been able to put on display so far in this preseason, and I just so badly like it, I, every time he drop, I'm just like. I'm not mad at him. I just, I'm, I'm just so, I just want him to, I want him to have the best of everything in life. Okay. Like, I just, I just want him on the field. I want him to earn those opportunities because, like, it's been so much fun to watch him during this preseason. And so I just, I really want him to, to make those plays. Um, last, running, I just oh, want to, real quick, sorry, I just want to say real quick in the Richie James long pass in the first preseason game and then, uh, near Smith Marset's long touchdown and this one. Both came on plays where Rice was running a vertical across the middle of the field, kind of like a deep post, a skinny post, and decent were paying attention to that explosion. Like that same some traits you're talking about after the catch, he's pulling a lot of safety coverage with him when he runs those routes across the middle of the field. So it's just even a players on the opposing team are feeling that that movement, that athleticism, his ability to eat up ground quickly, because it's led to two relatively open deep shots to other players for the Chiefs just because of the attention that he's able to gain because of that that explosive uh, get-off-the-line of scrimmage. And before we get out of the wide receiver talk, Kent, real quick here, Sky Moore, the route that he ran, motioning into the slot, having that little glance route, pulling the safeties out of the play on Jet McKinnon's big screen play on the third down early on in the game, that confused the hell out of the Cleveland Browns secondary. There was a lot of attention paid to Sky Moore there once again. Defense is looking at this offense and saying, Sky Moore is their go-to on third down. We got to make sure that we take care of business there. Andy Reid doing a good job of playing off of that a little bit, pulling the safeties out of the play. So the attention that these young receivers are getting already means something. Even if it's in preseason, they haven't been get, doing a lot of game prep for defense yet. Running back is going to be another position, I think, that is more competitive than we anticipated. Uh, when we looked at it, and Daenerys Prince got a lot of love all the way through the preseason, but Samaje Pirine's the one that's kind of stood out in recent memory, Maddie. LaMichael. 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 My bad. I, I get those confused all the time. I know. <laughs> what? 
very not similar play types or styles. I, I, I get them mixed up too. But um, no, I mean, listen, we started to see a little bit of rumbles from people at training camp those last couple practices that were starting to make that switch and their personal 53-man rosters to have P-Ride taking over for Prince. And I always kind of felt part of that was because Prince didn't live up to the hype that was built up in that first game. He didn't jump off the screen at everybody or anything like that, right? Well, here it is now. We're to the last two preseason games. LaMichael P. Ryan has clearly been the Chiefs' best running back. I mean, like, you know, Jarek McKinnon's role has been relatively reduced and he's been really good at it, but P. Ryan has looked like their best running back as a runner. Today, he got a, rece- a couple receptions and he made some guys miss in the open field. He's competitive and pass protection. He's been doing everything you want, and it's going to be really hard, I think, to make this Chiefs 53-man roster, like to plan it out and not have P. Ryan on there the way he's looked. If there was ever a reason for preseason games to matter, right? If preseason games ever meant anything, it's got to be for a guy like P. Ryan to make a roster that has a very uncertain running back room at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And all's not lost for Daneric Prince, but like he clearly has fallen behind the running back battle between those two in just terms of efficiency and production on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LaMichael Pirine on his touchdown made three guys miss and did a fantastic job keeping his feet, getting out there in the flat, making guys miss. But it was the other stuff that he did running the ball that really got me excited. Those cutback lanes, the ability to kind of see everything in front of him and say, oh, it's not there. We're going to cut it all the way back around the outside and the Browns defenders not being able to hit the angle on him. That's what mattered to me because that's the sort of stuff that I think is really going to pay dividends. They don't have a guy on this roster that is that kind of runner right now. Yeah, we love Jet McKinnon. We love Isaiah Pacheco. We Clyde Edwards-Alaire is here. I wouldn't say that everybody loves him. There, there's a lot of people that are questioning his spot on the roster right now. LaMichael P. Ryan has some juice and has that ability on the edge to make a cutback turn into big yardage there. And I have written throughout the preseason so many times, P. Ryan has juice, and every time he shows it on the field, I just put a star or an X next to it, and I'm running out of space on the line that I'm doing that. He just continually makes guys miss, eliminates angles. Yeah, it's against twos and threes, but you know what? That's what you should be doing as an NFL player that should be on a 53-man roster against twos and threes, and he has so far. I, I think that the, he has made a very difficult choice for this offense, for Brett Beach, about their roster construction, specifically as the fourth wide or fourth running back on this roster. And I know I know Denaric Prince got a lot of, of uh a lot of buzz early in the in the preseason, but I don't know if they I think they might be able to sneak him out of the practice squad if they want to. I think so too. I don't think Probably. he's going to be a guy that's going to get claimed. I don't think he's done enough on tape to to warrant a claim. There is an update on Kadarius Tony here. Uh, Andy Reid said the Chiefs are dealing with Kadarius Tony day to day. The fa- the best you know the the best uh, the best phrase, and uh, it's possible he returns to practice the next time the team works. So there is a chance that we will see. Kadarius Tony, uh, maybe being a little bit vague with the Kadarius Tony updates. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. There's there's something there with Kadarius Tony. Obviously, a, a big story there. It, it's man, this is gonna be this roster construction is gonna be so fascinating, man. Um, I, I I can't wait to see what the what kind of decisions that they do make. 
Um, this defensive side of the ball, guys. I want to jump over to the defensive side ball. Um, any big standouts on the on the defensive tackle, you know, competition rotation that you guys want to talk about? Uh, Danny Shelton got in the game earlier than Keandre Coburn did this week and got the majority of his reps kind of with that, with what was the second team Chiefs uh, d- defense, uh, and he looked good doing so. I don't think this was as good as his previous two games, but it certainly wasn't bad. He very clearly belonged out there. He was playing against starters and still looked like a very functional defensive tackle. So I, I like that Danny Shelton got out there early. He's a good run defender, eats up space, has good quickness to go for it. I continue to sit here and wonder how how is this team going to trot out Derek Nottie over Danny Shelton in good faith? Like, I just, I can't understand where that rationale is coming from. But outside that, I do think the Chiefs' interior defensive line struggled a little bit. I thought they got pushed around. Granted, the Cleveland Browns' offensive line, especially on the interior, is one, very good. And two, they played their starters deep into the game, right? So, again, that stuff matters. But I did think the Chiefs, without Chris Jones, with Tershawn Wharton only playing a couple snaps before, you know, calling his day over, I thought their interior defensive line probably struggled more this game than they had the previous two. Yeah, I. but again, I, I think that's what you expect to see when you've got a good offensive line that's going to play that deep. I feel kind of the same way about the Chiefs' second-team offensive line. The Browns' yeah. defensive line may have been bad last year, but they invested in it this year. And so they were playing their starters against backups. And you you got to see a lot different outcome than maybe when, you know, these guys were going up against the uh, Arizona Cardinals backups who are maybe not making anybody's 53-man roster. This was a good group that they got to go up against. I thought Keandre Coburn came into the game a little bit, you know, at the end. I thought that he looked pretty good there, especially when Wise kicked out to a defensive end. There was some <laughs> there was some fronts ahead. Wise at DE, Danny Shelton in the middle, and then Keandre Coburn as a one tech, that's a lot of beef on a defensive line, and they were kind of resetting things. And they were some say beef of the week, beef of the week. Hey, Tuck, that's that's it, buddy. Beef of the week. But I, you know, I I felt like largely had a pretty good game about what we expect from this group. I mean, again, if if this team was going up against the Cleveland Browns in Week One, and we walked away with the defensive tackles having this kind of performance, I wouldn't be terribly worried because that interior offensive line is just so good but that being said it's not like they gave up a ton against the run Browns only ran for 2.1 yard per carry today and a lot of that happened towards the end it was under two yards a carry for most of the game they did a good job still of controlling the line of scrimmage allowing the linebackers to get there and then obviously Keandre Coburn comes up with a huge field goal block at the end of the game you know we weren't (laughs) sure who got his hands on it it was Keandre Coburn there. So he's already winning games for the Chiefs. We loved him. Already winning games for the The guy with the longest arms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, fellas, uh, before we move on to Toast Game, that is, I want any defensive storylines, anything that you feel we should have been talking about before we move on. So, Maddie, anything that you want to bring up on the defensive side of the ball before we get out of here? Uh, I think it's it's a continuing trend. Joshua Williams appears to be cornerback three for this team. Once again, he was the first, he was out there with the first team. He was out there opposite of Trip McDuffie. I believe they went nickel with Shamari Connor coming into the slot again. Now we don't know if that's a luxurious need adjustment or a full on play that they have, but Joshua Williams seems to have surpassed Jalen Watson, who played much deeper into the game with the second team unit. So that's something to keep an eye on as we go forward. I know last year, Watson and Williams kind of traded series, games, whatever it may be. 
Williams seems to have that the first shot there, and he had a couple good plays in this game, so hopefully he can keep that up and build on that momentum as we kind of get into the regular season. Mine is more about the second level uh, guys there. I think this linebacker group is pretty well rounded out. I don't know that there's going to be any surprises there, but Nick Bolton not playing today, having Drew Tranquil step in at the mic, I, I think you know the Chiefs could have given him a little bit more time. He got one series, and then they pulled him. So mm. Steve Spagnuolo obviously feels comfortable with where Drew Tranquil is with everything. I know there's been a lot of questions about where he's going to play, when he's going to play, if he's going to play. Him kind of getting pulled at the same time as Willie Gay Jr. and Leo Chanel, who got dinged up but apparently is okay. Um, it, it was kind of it, it reinforced that they still have a plan for him, that I think that they still have a role for him. I don't think that he's just kind of there to back up every role on this second level, as it's kind of been reported there. I think they do have a plan because if he was there to back up every role, I think we would have seen him a lot more today. All right, fellas, it is time for my favorite segment of this show. It is Toast Game Time, uh, presented by Ben Holiday, Bottled in Bond, Bourbon. I can't wait to see what everybody's got here. We're going to go around the room and around uh, both rooms here. Uh, technically, four rooms if we're going to add the boys at home. So let's start over at Kingdom Bar and Grill. Haley, Toast Game, who you got today? Well, Kent, you and the boys were just talking so much at home that I'm about out of my whole drink to toast, but uh, I will make a good toast. This is to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. May the force forever be with you. May you have sweet dreams. May you forever be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Sure, that's your first drink, Haley? It, it was a really strong drink, guys. I'm not going to lie. We talk a long time, to cherries. Yeah, and we do talk a lot. So there's it was a four senior four. It was, it was. So that is my toast, and I will hand it off to Duck Tucker. Well, uh, I realize I don't do you have a drink, but I I One do have spoon I do have this. Oh, uh, well, uh, cheers! Uh, Lombardi Clay Beach time. Well, maybe if you have two. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm <laughs> a lady. <laughs> Uh, my toast goes out to uh, Blaine Gabber, Mizzou made, cementing that number two quarterback spot like everyone always thought he would. Tell him, Todd. Uh, I think that it was a great showing from Blaine, the consistencies there. You heard me wax poetically about Blaine. <laughs> but my cheers goes to Blaine Gabbard. Go get you one of these, Blaine. Blaine. Go Blaine. get you one of these. Cheers. You be still. <sighs> Maddie Lane, what you got? Oh, we're going to we're going to the trenches. We're going with Big Mike Caliendo coming in with the second team unit to play center. He played guard in the first couple games. I thought he looked good there. Now he switches over to center. So now you have a guy that can play center or guard in a pinch. And when you compare him to guys like Nick Allegretti or Darian Kennard, the other backup interior offensive lineman, he's a lot more athletic. He's a lot more mobile. His athleticism matches a Trey Smith or a Joe Tooney in a pinch. I think he's a guy that probably fits a little better along this offensive line if they need a backup. So Mike Caliendo looking good for the third straight game. Cheers. Hopefully he makes a 53-man roster because he deserves it. Shout out, Big Mike. Craig, you're getting to close us out because I'm going to go next, okay? Okay. And there's, there is a very specific reason for this. I'm going to go to the other side of, of, the, of the sidelines, and I'm going to toast Juan Thornhill yeah. for getting a pick six and for having every... Like, that man knew what was coming. Like, that dude absolutely was flying down and trying to drive on the ball because he saw everything coming because he's seen it a few times in his life. 
Shout out Juan Thornhill for the touchdown celebration, showing love to Chiefs Kingdom, getting the pick six, having some uh, some fun. All the best, except for when you're playing the Chiefs. Uh, shout out our guy, uh, Juan Thornhill. Love that. And he settled really. the QB2 debate for us. <laughs> Thanks, Juan. All right, I'm going to close it out. Um, I could pick somebody that's very securely on this roster. I could pick somebody that's very, very securely on an NFL roster. But preseason week three is for those guys that are getting to live their dreams, getting to kind of realize what it's like to be on an NFL field. Reese Taylor, number 39, yeah. Chiefs defense, Good had himself a hell of a game. Rookie out of Purdue was everywhere. Got in early in the slot, which makes sense. He's a 5'9 corner. Probably not making this roster. We'll see if he finds himself on another roster. A UDFA guy having that kind of performance in week three. There are going to be GMs that are going to raise an eyebrow at this performance. This is what it's all about. Showing up in a game that nobody expects anything of you and just playing your ass off. I hope you earn a roster spot or a practice squad spot somewhere, Reese Taylor. Cheers, buddy. Go, Reese. Yeah, shout out everybody that's put in the work over there in St. Joseph. There's a 90-man roster. There's a lot of guys that are trying to pursue their football dreams. That's a lot of work. And obviously, there's only 53 spots for the Chiefs to keep somebody. Uh, but best of luck to everybody who doesn't wind up a Chief on their football jersey. Uh, it's preseason, but not anymore. It's over. This is it. That's the end of preseason coverage for us. That is it for this edition of the KCSN Post Game Show. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate your support at KC Sports Network. And we will talk to you on this show after the Chiefs bop the Detroit Lions. I'm already predicting games. We'll catch you later. We're now day to day. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.